0: you're listening to the catholic psyche podcast the catholic psyche podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not intended to take the place of medical or mental health treatment therapy or diagnosis you should always consult a trained mental health or medical professional for such treatment Uh, you're listening to the Catholic Psyche podcast. Uh, this is Father Dicka Basil and I am yet again pleased and honored and everything uh, f- to be joined by a a fellow therapist. We're with Dean Theophilus uh, who is a licensed clinical past a licensed clinical uh, professional counselor uh, in the state of Illinois. Uh, he is also a licensed cl- oh, all of these states have different names for things. I was I was bemoaning this before you got on or before we we started recording that it's out here in the west we make it very simple. But you're a licensed professional clinical counselor, which is the same thing in the uh, in the state of Minnesota, and you're also a uh, certified alcohol and drug counselor in Illinois. Um, so in, for those of, uh, for the listeners in Colorado, our, our mental health people. Colorado it's primarily he's an LPC it would be equivalent LPC and then a uh, what we call a CAC a certified addictions counselor out here in Colorado um do you have the same tiered system of CACs you are like a CAC one or like a or is it like a full sort of what what is a certified addictions counselor out in Illinois
1: yeah and oh and, and I, I apologize Deacon Basil uh, so yeah it's even crazier so in yeah cert, there's a level in Illinois in Minnesota I'm licensed as an alcohol and drug counselor. So it's even, it's so bizarre. I, yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. No, it we, we have kind of a mixture, you know, we really just need kind of like a, a, a universal jurisdiction in some ways. Um, but you know, they're maybe not in, in other stuff, but it's good. So, yeah, so we've got that. And then he's a contributor. Well, you're with the, uh, the Mancio or done, Mancio yeah. center, um, which was, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had, uh, uh, David, uh, uh, yes. I guess your boss, David On. Yep. Um, so it's wonderful. Um, he is a contributor, or a, he's spoken multiple times on Ancient Faith uh, Radio. And for those of you who do, aren't Orthodox or not Eastern Catholic in that kind of world, that's a big deal. Um, it's a it's a, a very impressive thing, and a wonderful Eastern Christian um, organization called Ancient Faith, and they 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 do really phenomenal stuff, especially for the Orthodox and Eastern Catholics, but even just Roman Catholics in general. Um, very very yep. impressive. And he's a member of uh, the oh goodness oh. Yeah. the Orthodox Christian Association of Medicine, Psychology, and Religion, uh, which is a, a, a sort of a, a coming together, kind of like in in, in the Catholic world, we have the Ameri- uh, the uh, Catholic Psychotherapist Association. Um, the the Orthodox one is is multi-discipline. Uh, um, so you guys are kind of ahead of us. You could, we could call you an integrated model of uh, yeah. mental health care in general, which is phenomenal. And uh, and uh, as well, it's good to say he's a Greek uh, member of the Greek Orthodox. Archdiocese of the Americas, um, and a member of the, uh, uh, Chicago Metropolia. Um, so for, for those of you that know what that means, it's a very, it's a great thing. For those that don't know, it's, it's probably not worth spending too much time thinking about. Is that, is that fair Dean? (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, I
0: think that is. Yeah. All right, perfect. And uh and as well married with children and uh thank you so much uh Dean. I really yes. appreciate it. It's a great honor um and and a wonderful thing to have you on on the podcast. What we wanted to talk about today uh was the concept of kind of just addiction in general, mental health addiction, yeah. uh, whatever it might be, you know, this is an area of specialization for you. Um, and then, mm-hmm. as we both have particular interest in in the Desert Fathers and and sort of the understanding of the Eastern Christian, Eastern Catholic, or Eastern Orthodox um, a view of mental health and how that might relate to to what uh, you and I see clinically or uh, pastorally or any of, the, any of these other areas. So, kind of, yeah. could you just kind of give us a little bit of a, a, a kind of I don't know foyer into what, uh, what addiction is. Um, I think we, I'm sorry, I'm just talking now, maybe in a few minutes into the actual podcast, I'll let you actually speak. But, um, I think one of the problems with mental health is that we talk about these terms all the time and we don't necessarily, especially when they're in the popular culture, we don't talk about what they actually mean and we fill in definitions in the popular culture. So could you kind of give us a little bit of a, a heads up as to what addiction is from, from your work?
1: Yeah. Um, well, one the model that I particularly worked off on, and it comes actually from the my place of, of study, which uh, anyone knows is the famous facility called Hazleton Betty Ford Addiction Facility. They have a, a school it, there where I that's got. That's where all I the like, uh, all the yeah.
0: celebrities from the '60s went, right? The oh, Betty yeah.
1: <laughs> yep. Okay, mm-hmm. very good. Um, and they they really uh, propagate the idea of the biopsychosocial spiritual disease. Um, so the idea that addiction is going to affect the body, the mind, um, as social interactions and then the spirit, uh, uh, one spiritual beliefs. And I, I like that model cause it, again, it hits all areas. And so we're looking at when, when, you know, when someone is addicted to a substance, it's going to affect their biochemistry, the way their body reacts to it, going to make them want to use more, have a higher tolerance is developed. Um, it's going to have this impulse is not just, uh, in the brain to affect emotions, uh, numb emotions, heightened emotions, and you get kind of sucked in that spiral downward. So, um, yeah, there it's, and, and then it, it affects, you know, social interactions where you get consumed by it and then also kind of affects your own spiritual beliefs. So yeah, that, that's, that's a basic, of course, we can explore that more, yeah, but that's kind of the basic no,
0: this is, it, it, I'm just very curious. Does... The biopsychosocial, sp- did, did the Betty Ford Clinic, uh, the Hazleton? I'm sorry, I don't know the specific, yeah. I only know that the, the kind of nuance, but did they actually add the spiritual um, component at the beginning of it? Um, or did that come about more recently?
1: Yeah. My question. Yeah, it's so what I've seen, and particularly one of the reasons what drew me to Hazelton to work, to, uh, to, to, uh, do work was their their acknowledgement of the spiritual. And I think it's also the work of how Hazleton mixed in with the 12 steps. Um, they were very big on understanding that if we're going to, you know, treat a person with addiction, you have to address that area of spiritual. And the 12 steps, which of course we can explore later on, is a, or, a pro mm-hmm. program that's been developed through since, you know, in early in the 30s and the 20th century for people who want to, come sober from a drug and alcohol and use those models of the 12 steps using spirituality and one's faith to get through that. So yeah, the the incorporation of that I think was deliberate because of acknowledging the work of 12 steps that's done trying to incorporate that in a clinical setting,
0: yeah. Yeah, and I think, I think what's particularly interesting about that is I remember uh, my undergraduate degree in experimental psychology. Um, and uh, at that point, we just talked about the biopsychosocial. Uh, model we never talked about the spiritual component to the uh, to the model at all um and yeah. I think the reason for that was um because it was at its core uh, the sort of behavior it was a strict behaviorist model um and that's why I was kind of asking is you know i I, I added spiritual myself and in, by, by the time I was in grad school, which is perhaps more of a clinical setting mm-hmm. um by the time I was in grad school they were really starting to talk about a spiritual model and and it's just such a relief that you guys have your schooling has been speaking about the spiritual side to all of these concepts, whether it be addiction or or, or or really the human yeah. experience. Um, there is a spiritual component, even if we might disagree as to what that spiritual sort of definition might look like. And I think that's that's one of the really important points about it is that it's like the 12 step, the applicability across the board is the 12 step model is that it, it takes the person where they're at and then finds the God that, that they, you know, God in, in, in the hidden ways, which is what the church Eastern or Western yeah. has always tried to look um, towards. So, yeah, that's that's phenomenal. So, the idea of addiction, and and I think it's probably worth saying. I mean, I've seen this personally clinically, but you know, addiction is not just to the classic alcohol or drug. Yep. area you know it's 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 much bigger than just simply one or the other um, it or it's just one of those two it's could be you could be addicted mm-hmm. to certain behaviors you could be addicted to uh, certain thought patterns I think we can also say I, I it's not quite how we usually talk about it but I think it's true it's thought patterns um, we talk in the in the Catholic world I know the Orthodox speaks about this quite a lot as well but yep. pornography addiction is the unspoken addiction in any, uh, particularly Mm -hmm. men's conference, women too. Oh my goodness. I mean, it's, 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 uh, precipitous in, in amongst women as well. So addiction is not just simply about drug or alcohol, but it's a, it's a pattern in general. Um, and I'm the, the funding, I think it's fair to say that it was primarily funded around drug and alcohol, um, because it's more obvious, but these patterns can apply in every sense in everywhere area.
1: Yeah. I'm it's, uh, What's what's amazing about it is there's I, what I've always been been very honored by when I talk to people about this is that they start realizing that like yeah it's these are th- we can have addictions to even to relationships we can have addictions to um, uh, just ha- like codependency even is viewed as a, as an as an addiction so I, I, that kind of expansion of just that idea like oh addictions only for those you know who have a drug problem or drinking too much. No, this is all different dynamics that appeared with this. And I think that's been kind of the real, I, I, I just, I don't know, it's the coolness, the, the flowering of just how this concept can be transferred to other areas of one's life. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, it's funny. Cause just last week we spoke on the podcast. Oh. It hasn't come out yet, but it will be last week. When this one comes out, um, the, the four therapists at uh, Mount Tabor talked about, um, you know, codependency in general. And I had not, it, it was like when the when the podcast ends and you walk away and you're like, oh man, there's still more more of that we could have talked about codependency. I think you're absolutely right. It's sort of an addictive mm-hmm. notion that has developed um, at uh, in in and it's codependency is, is an addiction that can that can come about. Now, what I think is particularly interesting about this is um, that there is a, I think the ultimate addiction for all people yes. is sin. Yeah. Um. That uh, there is this kind of tendency towards sin that we all have, and this kind of desire to sin that really um, is always in the background, mm-hmm. no matter yeah. what. Um, and, and and in the Western church, they really hit this as concupiscence. Um, we would, in the Eastern church, call mm-hmm. this ancestral sin, um, and the the losing of the likeness of God. Um, I'm kind of curious, like, kind of the idea of I mean, I don't think, you, I'm sure the Betty Ford Clinic was not talking about uh, the idea of ancestral sin and how that relates as far as the addiction towards, uh, towards this tendency towards sin, but I'm curious kind of your thought on that and yes. more philosophical. So this
1: is, I mean, you're hitting on areas that I've just been, I love and it, I'm so fascinated by. And this is, I think the, the idea where the 12 steps come in very well. And I think Hazleton and, and Betty Ford has really kind of brought this in the fold on, a, on that clinical level is the idea of powerlessness. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, again, we can explore this topic a lot, but I think there's, there's so much stigma with addiction, especially viewing it as like, you're a bad person, you know, you've used chemicals mm-hmm. and, you know, you've done such a terrible thing, rather than just viewing it in a sense of like, yeah, you're, you're powerless to this. Life has gotten control, mm-hmm. um, not, in, not in some shaming way, but in a way of like, you're kind of acknowledging kind of the way things are a little bit, and now that's, that can be, you know, at heart and, sad and also empowering because you're acknowledging a part of reality and who you are, um, in a way to actually know yourself better. Um, so like, you know, mm-hmm. this is a very common thing and, and Hazleton does this and facilities have kind of followed this model is that when someone comes in the residential facility, you know, they're going to probably do the first step, which is kind of like an intense inventory of, you know, your life. And you can, in that inventory, you kind of look at, well, okay, how's the substance of the, or the alcohol affected your life. And through that kind of work, you realize, like, oh, my gosh, like I, I have been powerless to this. I come back to alcohol after I've lost money. My wife's left me. You know, I, my 10th car was crashed. I have DWIs off the wazoo. So, yeah, it's, it's in that sense of kind of like, as we acknowledge, you know, with our own sin that we live in a fallen world. And, you know, we have, a, we have these, these attachments, these bondings to sin of the kind of the Component of our existence. With the addict, they acknowledge it too. It's like, oh, I'm learning more about myself because I'm stuck in that bond, that relationship with the with the alcohol or substance.
0: Yeah, I I, I think that's just so important because, you know, the 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 concept of of psychology, and I think one of the major things that psychology has helped the church in the last hundred years. In many ways, <laughs> yeah, it hasn't. No? In some ways, but but in the in the ways that it really has helped the church is a realization of this concept of culpability um, and the complexity of the human person. Um, I think sometimes I can say as a, as a Catholic, we have fallen in the Western church in particular into a sort of manualist box. You fit into this box. This is who you are. And, and we can't, you know, it, it's a temptation to just view the person in very small terms. And what I think psychology has done when at its best has to say, you know, there's reasons why we do all of these things, and in some ways, we're kind of powerless over the different aspects of of what we have, uh, of the things in our lives. We're kind of powerless over them. And that, there's two responses you can make to that. You can either uh, hide from that and pretend that it's not the case and just white-knuckle it through certain things, or you can give in and cry yeah. out to God um, in the same sense yeah. as all of the saints did. Um, and. The, the problem is, is that we live in a world that is so fixated on "you did something wrong, therefore you must atone and you must sin, uh, or you have sinned and you must atone," as opposed to "I must call out to God and say, I screwed yeah. up, please help and, again."
1: And so there's there's a, there's a probably my favorite my favorite quote in the Big Book that they ask you know Hazelden requires to read, and it's and I think I, I literally I actually have a little painting of it in, in one of my offices is. The line that says on it, it says, we came to the realization to stop playing God, that we stop playing God. And I think, you know, and again, another concept to explore at nauseum is like that whole idea of the human recognizing that I'm not, I can't play God anymore. Like I can't pretend like I'm the master of this universe, that I have limitations, I'm finite. And I need to, like you mentioned, as the saints have Mm -hmm. done, have cried out to God for that guidance and that deliverance. Um, So I mean, it's crazy that, like, in addiction, that actually occurs when the person acknowledges they admitted. The first step is we admitted that we are powerless over our addiction. It's, it's that transformation occurs. Yeah,
0: I, and 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 the difficulty yes. with what that is. I mean, it it's just not just yeah. a oh, one yeah. and done kind of attitude towards things. It's a it's a much more. Um, I have to kind of deal with the the result of this of this sinfulness. Um, so yeah, I think that's just I think that's so important for the Christian church to really spend some time thinking about um, as it relates to addiction yes. of any type. Uh, but uh, the principal addiction behind everything the addiction to sin. You know, in in the Eastern context, uh, the uh, the real concept is that the the thing that happened at the fall. Um, they call it ancestral sin as opposed to original sin, where we, we in the East would call it ancestral sin as opposed to original sin. Um, the real thing that happened at the fall was the realization that death is come, uh, has come into the world. And not just in some abstract way, but the fact that I'm going to die. Um, one of my favorite uh, sort of psychotherapist uh, authors um, on uh, on just kind of this topic is is uh, Irv Yalom, um, and he's oh, just, yeah. yep yep mm-hmm. he has this incredible book called Staring at the Sun, yeah. um, and it's all about this idea of mm-hmm. death anxiety, and um, it's it's there's things in it I disagree with as a Christian. Let's just admit that he's yeah. an atheist, but the concept of the idea of staring at the sun that that death is the thing that is always there. It's always behind us. It's always baking us. Yeah. And we try and do things to self-medicate ourselves away from that. Mm-hmm. And that when those, that, that is sin itself, typically. Yeah. So for example, I am a, I'm a gluttonous person because I'm trying to distract myself from the realization that I'm going to die someday. Yeah. And a delicious chocolate cake gives me just, just <laughs> that much, you know, of a uh, distraction from it or sex or mm-hmm. alcohol, you know, drunkenness, uh, you know, can do that or, or porn or mm-hmm. uh, certain behaviors or a, obsession uh, obsession with the relationship, uh, of, uh, or an obsession with, you know, relational, uh, relationships might be there. I mean, all of these addictions are, I think at their core, the church, uh, the Eastern church would say, each church as I should say, are, um, are, a, an awareness of one's death and a fear of it, that it's a death anxiety. And I'm just curious, like your thoughts on that in a kind of general sense.
1: Yeah. I, you know, there's this concept and, and, of course, this is another thing of a more theological side of like, understanding, like, like, what is the anthropological vision? Like what is the human being, you know, and, you know, I've, I've heard this, this sense of, you know, this is all the nuance. And this is the conversation I think is the- theological, but there's also unique psychological point of this is like, what is the anthropological vision? Is it more pessimistic? or Is it more positive? And what's weird with this is that like, and I'm really big on this, I, I've done lectures when we talk about powerlessness. And I'm like, guys. Like you're powerless, you are powerless, and 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 mm-hmm. guess what? Yeah, there is suffering in this world, and there is death. And guess what? That actually is not. We won't go. You know, as we experienced Pascha and the resurrection. Yeah, there is death, but guess what? Christ has risen from. There is a God. You know, yeah. he he. It, when this is just part of the picture of it to acknowledge your who you are as human being, and then come be close to, the 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 God of salvation, the Christ, and and experience that, that, you know, better sense of who you, who you become. And I think it's, it's always, and you've experienced too, is that I've worked at other Christian facilities um, in my life. And it's interesting to see, you know, how a certain theological background influences how treatment is done. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I've, I've noticed that people maybe who've been raised in, in a, you know, here's an example. So I've worked with people who were Calvinist in background, and there's a very, you know, I mean, they have a unique vision of a PS nation and their relationship to that and how what sin is viewed at that. And coming from the Eastern perspective, you know, where this kind of dynamic is, I'm simplistically saying it be a little more maybe in the lighter positive sense, but not that that, right. that heavy shame. It's like I can see the difference unfolding with that. So um, I know that's a little more on the theological side, but it it does. It's like I what a what a powerful experience to understand who you truly are and then you get to know your relationship to god and and in that context of understanding what death is what suffering is um yeah
0: yeah i i think you're I think you're absolutely right it's funny um the uh mancio mancio <sighs>
1: Yeah, I, I, I've got it Monsio wrong. I, I forgive me. Yeah, you've got it. <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> um, it, it's funny because David, when when he was on, he told me four times how to pronounce it, and I still got it wrong when we were recording it. So, uh, but um, you know that that idea is that it's a place of to come, and um, that it comes from the same uh, phraseology as Monsignor um, in, um, in the Western Church. Yep. It's the idea of a place of. Of refuge, mm-hmm. um, and I think that, that that is such a wonderful image for a psychotherapy clinic. Um, Mount Tabor is the name of my my clinic, mm-hmm. and um, Mount Tabor, of course, is the the uh, mountain that Christ was transfigured on. Traditionally, probably not actually, but traditionally, and uh, that's you know perhaps as important as anything. Uh, traditionally, it was Mount Tabor. And we talk about that the, in the Eastern Church and the West too, but particularly in the Eastern Church, that is a prefigurement of what you and I will experience, not just in heaven, not just after death, but that I experience that here on earth, even if it's not visible to everybody around, uh, around me, so that I can experience the light of God in every moment of it. And it's a view of the human person that is, at its core, redeemable and not in some abstract sense, but redeemable yeah. right here right now, mm-hmm. and at that core, it's the reliance on God, the reliance on God yeah. um, that is the, the the first and foremost uh the the, the sort of moment when that uh, transformation and well, transfiguration can yeah. take uh, can begin is with that idea of i'm relying on god and and where that then develops, um, I think more importantly to our conversation today is that that God actually really does want to help me on this yeah. um, and wants to help me in these different kinds of addictions, whatever they might be. Yeah. Um, and that the ultimate example of that is the, is the incarnation and the transfiguration by as extension of that. So mm-hmm. I just, I just keep talking sometimes when I have guests on, I talk more than they no, do. Right. It's not the best thing in the world for me, but uh, I'm curious, you're kind of, you kind of thought about that idea of the transfiguration is the moment where it is, is what we will all be called to are called to here on earth. Yeah. And that addiction is, a struggle when it's in, in response to
1: that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean this, and this is a big, you know, concept. And of course, you know, this one like in the Eastern churches, there's the holiday of theosis, you know, God became man. I mean, we become like God. And, and there's that process of, of that walk of that. And I think that, you know, it, it's, 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 it's weird because, you know, when I saw my friends who aren't, you know, of, of, don't think about ancient Christianity, don't think about orthodoxy. They're like, whoa, like, what is this? Like, are you like, you know, is this something like, you know, not truly Christian? Like, you know, or is this is something like really out of the way from the scriptures. It's like, well, the, the reality is that we, you know, what occurs when the addict person um, becomes, lives a life of sobriety? I mean, there's this whole idea like a true self becomes revealed. Uh, uh, there's, there's that, um, I mean, from the scriptures, I, uh, Passage I use a lot, I've used a lot in Christian work, is the prodigal son. You know, what happens? He comes to himself. He comes to himself, comes back to the father's house after that world of wild living. I mean, that's like, I mean, and this is always a story it's when you, anything, you watch a TED Talk or something, Someone in addiction, they were in the, in the back alleys and it was miserable. And then this transformation, they're a whole new person. And I, and I got to see that. You know, my work, facilities. Mm-hmm. I saw young men and women who, who were just in, you know, crime jail prison you know all these terrible things and then they're like they're leading businesses now they're 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 speaking among hundreds of people and and a, and giving back and loving now that transformation i don't know about you like that is a part of the uncreated light being born there. that is the light of christ inside of you and and um i think i think that that's the way i kind of view it not the sense of like somehow you know oh well, now you have special powers that you know you know, and as you have Christ inside of you and you've been transfigured, it's, no, it's like you're becoming your true self and your true self is loving right. and caring and giving and not, you know, sucked into the addiction that brought you and creates only destruction. Um, so yeah, yeah. yeah that, that
0: you are, that you are in union with God to the, where just like Christ was yeah. to the point where you bring the light of Christ in uh, the light of God, the uncreated light mm-hmm. as the East would say, but I think the West would say grace yeah. you bring grace into the yep. world through right. our action. And that's such a wonderful and important point. Um, and the fact that, and, and what I heard there as well is that the addiction is not fully, it's, it's holding me back from being who I am supposed to be and who I am underneath it, Yeah, that it is sort of the cloak that, 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 um, that does that. And now I, I'm just curious because I've, I've thought about this clinically myself quite mm-hmm. a bit. Um, and of course we can't do self disclosures, which we're not supposed to right? yeah, yeah, I yeah. say, um, when it comes to, um, when it comes to clinical work, this is slightly different. Um, but what I would say is at least in my personal life and in the life of at least what my clients and my pastoral care and my spiritual directees, all of everyone is addicted to something. Yes. The question is, is how obvious is it? There is always something that is holding all of us back from being Christ in the world, um, would be a way of putting it, um, being truly divinized in the uncreated light. And I think that that's, that's such an important point because what that means then is it's not, I don't. The, the 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 big book says that, uh, continue to repeat go back or excuse me continue to repeat there but for the grace of God go I mm-hmm. uh, that statement is true for me who's walking down the street and might see an alcoholic on the on the side of the road uh, passed out or a drug addict or someone who has been you know utterly divorced and uh, you know divorced and left and thrown to the side or. Or anyone else, there. But for the grace of God, go I to the to the person trapped in the sin of pride, yeah, yeah. or the sin of of vainglory, or the sin of of anger, or any other. Yeah. Um, and I think what what my what I'm trying to say here is that there's this real importance of saying I am a, I need to be a lot more humble in the face of, of of God, so that God can actually fix me, and I have to give myself up to Him. Um, yeah. and that there is perhaps Yeah, I think, and that there is perhaps more um, that is more complicated than just simply saying there's one or two sides to addiction.
1: We're all addicts in our own way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, thank you. I mean, the the word you hit home to me, and I, and like, if if I have the title of my uh, like a book of my life, I'd put this one, and the title would be "Learning What Humility Is," like, or just humility. I, I, you know, a little maybe just a little background, like what I wanted to go, uh, I wanted to look, I looked at the clergy. I looked at Holy cross seminary for the Greek, for the Greek church. I looked at doing that, but I, it's the,
0: for, for yeah. the Catholics. That's the big Greek, uh, Greek seminary, yeah. um, in, in, in New York. Right. A Boston, Boston, um, oh, Boston. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's all the, yeah, yeah, it's all the same Coast. up there for me. Yeah. Nah, nah,
1: nah, yeah.
0: Nah. Uh, Anyways, <laughs> go ahead.
1: I'm sorry. No, no. Uh, and even, even before, before. You know, knowing how much I, you know, I'd always been involved in church and always been involved and, and I wanted to serve. But I also knew through all that idea, whether I was serving as an altar boy or youth ministries, it's like, I want to be humble. Because, like, I was just acutely aware of, like, what does that mean? And I've gone through stages with that. I thought humble was just, you know, oh, you just follow the rules. And, you know, if I do enough prayers and attend enough services during the week or, you know, don't, don't be you know, don't disobey. Don't do something wrong. Um, and now as i gotten, you know, as I keep, you know, I'm not done yet, of course, but uh, and understanding maybe more what addiction is, I'm like, oh, no, humility is understanding that I get tied to things that, um, that bind me and bring me down into a simple place. And, and even when, you know, you know when I, that always important sense of like, if, when I thought about serving and serving as a clergyman, there was always the point of like, do you understand that idea of what humility is? Can you, can you embody that? Uh, in your work. And so, I don't know, addiction has helped me so much understand like, oh, that's how I do it. You know, this is how I approach these challenges. This is how I approach emotional struggles, addiction to anger even as a component that, uh, you know, people explore. Um, um, and so, addiction to, to, you know, pride is a big one of like fame, people saying, oh, that's, you know, great, great job you're doing, a great lecture. Um, so, that's that's been really, I, I, I think, I've. I think, I I now get to really hit home, figure out what it means to be humble through that concept. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I uh one of the things that I um did uh or think talk talk with my clients particularly about is um the concept that just because you have an addiction doesn't mean that God doesn't love you um, mm-hmm. or anything else. And that sometimes I think God might even give us addiction, allow it. He doesn't give us, yeah, but yeah. allow us to have addictions at certain times. Um, and, and the kind of story that I always have for this is, you know, when I was, uh, I was a little Basil bulky um, when I was, you know, in my teen years, I would go to confession on about a biweekly basis. Sure. Um Greek practice, I think, is a little different. Um, yeah. in the, you know, in the Roman practice, it was, it was not unheard of. The Russian practice, oh. you better be there every single oh, yeah. Sunday or, or yeah. every every Saturday. But um, <laughs> in, the, they, uh, in the Roman practice, it was you know it was that was relatively normal. Nothing's too un, uh, abnormal about that. But it, in two thousand five, two thousand six, it was little Basil Balki and a bunch of women. Um, That was just, that was just what it was. Mm -hmm. And then 2007 came along and I didn't understand it back then, but 2000 came along and it was little Basil Balky and a bunch of men. Mm. And it took me 10 years to figure out what happened. Because if you go to the average uh, line now, um, there's, I'm not saying this, I I don't know everybody's specific life, but what was interesting is it was the iPhone, that came uh, about in 2007, and it saturated the consumer market faster than any other consumer product ever. Yep. And what did it do? Well, primarily, the struggle is for a lot of people, it's pornography. Yep. Um, in that area, now the point about that is there's two ways of looking at that. We can say, "Oh my gosh, everybody's going to hell now." We are, uh, you know, we are the sort of Calvinist view. But yeah. I think another valid way of looking at it is to say, "Guys were committing sin mm-hmm. before 2007." It just wasn't obvious. The sin that they're committing now is obvious, and they're getting into that confessional and they're confessing their sins on a much more regular basis, thanks to their addictions that yeah. are there. Now that doesn't mean we shouldn't work on our addictions, but I think my point being, there can be grace that works in those addictions, and I, I I'm just curious your thoughts on on the hope of an addiction.
1: Yeah, it's you know I I, I it's it's weird because I I do really go back to that. To that con, like it, it, I, if I had the, I, I had the big book. Maybe another time I'll bring the big book. I had (laughs) page sixty-two of the big book, and (laughs) and Bill W. says, Bill W. says, we have to quit playing God. It doesn't work anymore. And I think that's for me, it's like, yeah, like you know, I think it's one of the things that's so weird is that another common myth of addiction is that oh they're just being selfish. Oh, the guy who is an alcoholic, he's just being you know a bleep hole or you know, a jerk yeah. and, or she's just being so selfish and rule. It's like, well, no, they literally in their world, they think all oh, this is fine. Now, again, as external third party of Germans are like, you literally, you know, you, your life is completely on fire right now. Like, what are you thinking? But it's like, no, like it is so easy for man to, to trick himself. Like denial, which is a constant theme in psychotherapy. It, like it is, it is, it's more than not, and more than a river than Egypt, you know, that old saying, you know, Denial. So <laughs> <laughs> I butchered that, but um, like I think what's what's weird with that is that the more I recognize that I'm that I that I am not in control of my universe, I don't I don't control relationships, even though I keep trying to. I don't control. I can't control outcomes. I can't control this week or the rest of this time or these uncertainties we have in the world today. And if I try to guess what I you know things are getting bad. I think that in many ways what happens with addiction is that it just sucks you into like, oh no, this is the world. You can respond yeah. to every problem by getting drunk. You can respond to every problem by, you know, doing stimulants or being numbed yeah. out of your mind. No, in reality as it is, I understand I'm not God and that's really helpful. And it goes back yeah. to that humility piece that I, you know, talked about is that I want to, I want to be in my life, I want to remind that I am not God. That's a big plan for me, you know. So important. Yeah. yeah.
0: And, I, and I think exactly the, the kind of point to that is i am not god and there's hope yes. for a world that is really beautiful you see miracles um i'm sure i see miracles mm. i see miracles every day um yeah right now it's through this this kind of awkward uh, yep. w- uh webcasting but you know in the in the in the office i see miracles we see miracles all the time and that there that there really is hope um my favorite kind of way is to just kind of mention some addicted saints saints who were addicts oh, yeah. um yeah. And I, I think maybe right here at the end, before um, before we kind of end, I think is really important. And my my favorite one is um, in, the, in the Western church, um, I hear a lot of uh, mothers tell me, well, I'm going to St. Monica, my son back into the church or my daughter oh, back I'm into sure. the church, which is a beautiful, wonderful thing to pray for your children to come back into the church. It's incredibly mm-hmm. important. But St. Augustine's very clear that St. Monica was an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. And so... Why was she an alcoholic? Well, there's probably a lot of reasons, but maybe it was the emotional, you know, the stuff that started on with an abusive relationship and her an intimate relationship. And all of a sudden you look around, she just looks around and goes, how did I get here? Just like you were saying, how did I get here? Mm-hmm. Um, the classic example in the Eastern Church um, that we talked about a couple of weeks back um, is St. Mary of Egypt. Yep. Um And she was... A sex addict uh, pretty clearly she was she fun- she you know sustained herself as a prostitute to begin mm-hmm. with but it was very clear that there were times where she just wouldn't accept the money because yep. um, she just wanted to be sexually active um, mm-hmm. in different ways so there's that and then um, there's all the cornucopia of um, addicted saints to all sorts of things uh, my my favorite example is the great Saint Thomas Aquinas now there's a lot of reasons why this can come there oh, but Saint Thomas Aquinas yeah. um, the, my my perfect my favorite example of Saint Thomas Aquinas is that the story is that they had to cut the table that he sat at um to eat. they had mm-hmm. to cut it more widely so that uh, because he was he was so portly yeah. Now there's a lot of reasons why why those things can come about not necessarily food addiction, but I think at least a principle we can say even. Though Saint uh, Saint Monica, Saint Mary of Egypt, Saint uh, Thomas Aquinas, and a whole host of people that we can't go down, um, they were addicted. They still were able to do great things for the Lord, and the and the true Christ, the true self, um, which is an, uh, the the other Christ, another Christ, uh, could come through. I'm just curious. I mean, do you have any? I picked three. Do you have any kind of addicted saints that you could think of? Uh, well, uh, I, didn't, I, it, I didn't. I
1: didn't. I didn't
0: pre warn him for this, no. folks. So I'll be very impressed.
1: <laughs> no, I, I. Well, the the uh, you, you took my St. Mary of Egypt. I, and I think it's yeah. also cool. I probably, if I add any, anything is that, you know, during uh, Lent uh, in the Eastern churches, you know, one of the Sundays is the Sunday of St. Mary of Egypt. And it's, and it's amazing that like have all the Sundays named after like there's one about her and her story. And particularly like, uh, and of course, you know, you know, this is like, I mean, she spent, you know, her life was out in the desert, out in the wilderness as a reminder. Like it isn't like, Oh, St. Mary, you know, had an addiction, was a prostitute, found God, everything's just great. You know, she's just, you know, sitting on high and everything's awesome. It's like, no, it's like she, she grew deeper in herself and in, in her love for God out in the wilderness learning about herself. And um, I don't know, like that, like that's, a, I, I would actually say someone who's very comforting in my life is her. Like I, I have an icon of her and she's, and particularly, you know, that was um, one of the particular saints that I think I just, I want to keep my, my prayers and help me pray for me as I do my practice and live my life.
0: Um, yeah absolutely and 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 I think the other thing and and we actually um uh, a very insightful deacon therapist um that on the Catholic psyche actually recorded the life of Saint Mary um oh. on the on the Julian, uh calendars uh life of Mar- or day of of Mary um so they can certainly go back and listen to that. There's probably better recordings out there um of it uh, I, in fact I know there are so uh, if it's too bad go li- I mean, go listen to a different one, but it's worth listening but the other thing when I was reading it this 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 year one of the things that really stood out for me is that even at the end she was talking to Father's awesome St. Thomas and said I still struggle with these things. Mm-hmm. It's not like I've overcome them. And that's so so important because yeah. it doesn't it's not one and done. Yep. It's always there. The person who struggles with alcohol will always struggle with alcohol, even if it's managed. The mm-hmm. person who struggles with, there's always going to be this temptation back because we're human, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean we can't be divinized and re- attain theosis. Even while we still have that that little thing, Christ was tempted in the desert for mm-hmm. pity's sake. Dude, mm-hmm. We're going to be tempted too. So yeah. Yeah. any last minute thoughts? Um, I should mention that um, we're going to have uh, Dean on uh, hopefully, soon again, to really talk about the 12 steps, uh, because this is such an important topic and the 12 steps as a, as a model is so important. So um, we're not done, let's put it that way, but any kind yeah. of um, anything to kind of
1: say right here at the end to finish this up? Well, yeah, I mean, just outside of thank you having me on, I, you know, my, my big piece and I kind of, you know, I, I wanna, you know, there's always this point that, like I actually was speaking at uh, my Sunday school class on this and there was, mm. was kind of a common statement of like, well, how do we prevent this? Like, what do we do to prevent addiction from Happening, And, you know, I could go into a long spiel of like pre- pre- preventive, preactive work you can do or on a family societal level. But mm-hmm. I would start of simple is share, keep sharing. Like, cause if this, this is about, as addiction isn't about being clean or sober, it's about knowing yourself. Well, What happens when you're in your addiction, you don't know yourself. So even whether, whether I'm dealing with adolescents or adults, uh, just share, talk to someone. If you can't talk to your family, talk to, you know, find a th- therapist, find a counselor. Uh, clergymen, um, talk to your uh, father, confessor, mother, confessor. I mean that that simple act of sharing can yeah. can actually be the biggest tool against addiction coming into play. Fully, yeah,
0: it's so important, Dean. The, the, I'm always um, so humbled to be able to work with uh, or speak um, on a podcast with with just incredibly insightful uh, people, and I'm just so thankful uh, for you taking some time here. Um, so again, uh, Dean. Uh, Theophilus Theofi- Theophilus I'm sorry I keep <laughs> wanting to say Theophilus but uh, yeah. Theophilus um, from, the, uh, from the Moncio Center uh, in Illinois um, and uh, he's still accepting clients I assume yes. uh, as, as private practitioners always are yep. uh, and he's absolutely phenomenal and it, um, his the link will be down in the bio but uh, thank you so much looking forward to our, our next time where we can talk about these things really appreciate it and uh, you yeah. take care thank you no. Have, thank you care, everybody
1: Facebook. yeah yeah